So I was trying to think of a really inappropriate joke to tell after Jared's joke last week about people falling out of planes, um, but I couldn't think of anything. So um, if you didn't hear that, go check the podcast. <laughs> We're going to have a maximum hit on the website this week. Keep listening to the joke's right at the end. No, I'm just kidding. Gee, it's a tough crowd today. How are we doing? Good? Awesome. All right, I'll just get straight into it then. <laughs> um, why don't we pray? Thank you, Jesus, that we're here. Thank you that you've caused us to be overcomers. Thank you, God, that you've, you've just created such a space where we can grow together as we grow further in relationship with you. We give you praise for today. We thank you for what you're about to say through your word and prepare our hearts. Amen. How many know that the disciples had spent a lot of time with Jesus? They had spent quite a few years with this amazing leader that the world had never seen before. Up to this point, they had spent a heap of time with Jesus, a couple of years probably, and then they grabbed Jesus one day and they said, teach us one thing. They grabbed him aside. This is, this is crazy. They grabbed him aside and they said, would you teach us just one thing? At least from what I can see in Scripture. And this is incredible because it would have been fine if they said, and it would have been right if they said, hey, Jesus, could you teach us how to raise the dead? How many would have asked for that? Come on. Come on, teach us how to raise the dead. They had seen him do it. Of course, that would have been something, but they didn't ask for that. It would have been right if they said, Lord, Jesus, teach us how to multiply food like you did when you took that boy's lunch. Those few fish and those, that little bit of bread and you fed thousands of people. Teach us that. But he didn't. They didn't ask that. Or maybe they sort of, they, 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 it would have been fine for them even to say, Lord, Teach us how to care for widows and orphans, how to care for the poor. Because it was so close to his heart, but they didn't ask for that. Nor did they ask for him to teach them how to heal the sick, sick cast out demons, or even have intellectual arguments with religious people. But there was one thing that they said to Jesus to teach us, and that was, they said, after everything they had seen, all the miracles after everything, they said, teach us to pray. It's incredible. This was what the disciples said to Jesus after everything they had seen, heard. They said, would you teach us one thing? Just one thing, teach us to pray. It's interesting because I can imagine that the disciples were with Jesus for some time and they would often see, Luke's gospel records, it says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I could imagine that as they're following Jesus, that oftentimes he slipped away. Maybe early in the mornings he would go for a walk in the garden or walk in the mountains and he would come back. 
I'm sure it wasn't just time when he got away from his disciples and people, but I'm sure there was times when he was just doing life where it was like he was engaging with the Father. But there was something about this interaction with Jesus and the Father that had them so intrigued that not only did it have them so intrigued, but they knew that the power, they knew that everything that Jesus did came from this one source. They said, would you teach us that? Just that one thing will be fine. Just that one thing. Teach us this is how to pray. They knew that everything came from this point. Teach us how to pray. It was more than Jesus just turning up to a weekly prayer meeting, although that's amazing. It was more than Jesus just doing a prayer event, although that's amazing as we heard, which we're about to start next Sunday. It was a lifestyle, he had cultivated a lifestyle of prayer that was more than just dependent about coming into a building. It was about this lifestyle of prayer, of communication with the Father. So today I'm going to talk about prayer. Last week, um, my oldest son, Thomas, he's five, he came to me and he said, Dad, we need to pray. And I said, of course, I'm thinking the worst. Um, in our family, we try our best to pray together as a family. And as much as is, is healthy for our kids, we like to involve them in the struggles, in the things we're going through so that they will see the Lord acting upon our behalf. And so as much as it is helpful for them to understand you know, if we're going through difficult times, we, we want them to know that because we want to see the testimony when they look at it and say, hey, we were here and God intervened and, and he did this miraculous thing in our life. We want them to grow up learning that. And so Thomas comes to me and he goes, Dad, we need to pray. And I said, okay. He was ready then. He said, let's stop now and pray. And so he closed his eyes and he said, I, I pray for my little brother, George. For those that don't know, his name is Judah. Um, there is someone in our family who refuses to call him Judah. He still calls him George. And one day Thomas was really upset and I said, Thomas, we're not changing, we're committed to Judah. But I said, if you want to stick with George, you can stick with George. So, obviously the Lord understands what his name is too. So, he says, Lord... I pray for my little brother George that he would have a really good sleep tonight and that mummy would get a really good sleep, which is really important. Our son, Judah, he um, just loves life so much. He just hasn't got a value for sleep yet. <laughs> and then Tommy looked at me and he said, but there's one really important thing we need to pray for. And he closed his eyes and says, Jesus... Please make it sunny tomorrow so that I can ride my bike. <laughs> How good is that? A good night's sleep and a sunny day. What more could we need? Anyway, so he went to bed and as soon as he woke up, it was a day like today. The sunshine was out. How many have been enjoying all the rain? Oh, one person. Yeah, a few. <laughs> um, I see our friends down the road have been enjoying it. 
with their vehicles. Um, anyway. Yeah, so it was a day like today and he comes out and he looks, opens his window and sees the sun shining through and he's excited. First thing he did, he runs into Rachel and says, Mommy, Mommy, did you have a good sleep? And on that night, she had an amazing sleep because Judah had an amazing sleep. She said, absolutely. And he ran out. He, yeah, why don't we give the Lord a hand? He ran out. He was dancing around saying, it works. It works. And um, I'm here to proclaim this morning from a five-year-old that prayer works. I think sometimes we need to return back to that childlike faith. It's crazy because our kids pray for a lot of things. And sometimes it doesn't always work. But when it does work, he never got up and, and made a list of all the disappointments. He just got up and celebrated the fact that prayer works. He just danced around the house and said, it works, Daddy, this works. I have a sense that this year is going to be full of uncertainty again. I don't mean to be um, prophesying doom and gloom, and I'm not at all. But I just have a sense that we're going to get to the end of this year and look back and say, wow, we wouldn't have never expected that. I have a sense that this year is going to be full of un unexpectancy, uncertainty. You know, it talks about in Isaiah when the darkness is covering the earth, that the glory of the Lord will be seen as the waters cover the sea. And that's what I'm believing for. But how many know that we are living in tough times, difficult times? We see it on the world stage. We see it in our nation. We see it in our community and I believe for us as followers of Jesus more than ever how many know it's always been a good time to pray but more than ever right now in this season is the time to pray not just the time to pray it is the season to cultivate a lifestyle of prayer For people that are going to navigate this next season well is going to be people that have cultivated a lifestyle of prayer. Let me say that again. For us to navigate the unknowns in 2022 is going to take a people that have gone a little bit deeper, a little bit further into this lifestyle of prayer. Like Adrian said, we're kicking off 21 days of prayer and fasting, which is an amazing tradition that we do in this church. But what I'm believing for in this event is that it will launch us into a lifestyle of prayer. It will take us deeper into a lifestyle of prayer. That events start and they finish. But this would have a resonating thing in us that would take us to this point where like Jesus, he, he, he clearly modeled what it looked like to be independent to the Father. He says, I only say what I see the Father saying. I only do what I see the Father do. Events, prayer initiatives are amazing, but they should never take the place of a lifestyle of prayer. Join us in, in these 21 days of prayer and fasting to springboard you into deeper prayer in God. That's my prayer. That's our belief for all of us.
We're going to have a look at a passage in Luke chapter 18. Just as you're turning there, I just want to discuss a few more things. But what we believe about prayer really impacts how much value we have on it. Let me say that again. What we believe, what we hold true to about prayer impacts greatly about the impact it has on our life and the motivation to pray. We could have a mindset that we don't hold, by the way, but we could have a mindset that would be that, hey, we've just received the grace of God, we've just been saved, and now we get to sit in the grandstand and watch the devil and Jesus have an arm wrestle. How many know that some people have that view of life? Is that we've now been saved, we get to sit in the grandstand, we can't impact the, the, the events of life, we can't impact anything, we, ha- we have no say in anything, we're just observers, and essentially Jesus and the devil are fighting in the arena, and we just get to watch, and occasionally from the armchair we can clap, but essentially we're just holding on till we get to heaven. But how many know that that's not what we see when we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John? We see this phenomenal statement at the end of Jesus' ministry where he, before he's ascending to heaven, he says, as the Father sends me, I now send you. This is incredible. This is nothing about a passive sitting, spectating um, a mandate. He says, as the Father sends me, I now send you. And this is the privilege that every single person that we all have as followers of Jesus, as believers, is that we get to partner with heaven to see his will come about on earth. Let me say that again. We get to move from the grandstand. We get to get down on the playing field. And we get to partner with Jesus, partner with heaven. We get to be incorporated in what he's doing to see the plans and purposes brought about. There's... Two wills of God, at least in the New Testament, that I'm aware of. The first will of God is something that's absolute. It doesn't change. It's set in concrete. It doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. It's ordained and it's going to happen. An example of this would be the second coming of Christ. It doesn't matter if you're sitting here today and you don't believe in that. It is going to happen. It doesn't matter how you vote on this issue, it's going to happen. This is an absolute of God. But then there's other, another will that we see in Scripture, and that's His desire, His will. And that's where it incorporates us. And an example of this is the verse says that God is not willing that any should perish. It's His will that none should perish, but how many know that there's people perishing right now? Therefore, we have a part to play in that. How many know that that the solution to this dilemma is not that Jesus come back again and start preaching? It's not that the angels start visiting people, although they can, and that's amazing. The the, The solution is that Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I now send you, and he's commissioned us to go preach, to see his will come about of the salvation of souls. How many agree with that? And so most of what we're dealing with, especially when we come to this issue of prayer, 
is things where we understand the will of God, but He's actually brought us into partnership with Him to bring about His will on the earth. And this is why prayer is so important, is because we are literally changing the course of history. We get to partner with heaven. We get to partner with Jesus, just like Jesus demonstrated a lifestyle of prayer where everything came from that point of contact. We have the privilege to step into that in a deeper realm to see the purposes of God come about. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show, her, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. I'll just stop there for a moment. I've heard several sermons on this passage, which were all great. And sometimes people will look at, you know, a secondary revelation. I just want to say right here, the primary revelation why Jesus told this parable is that we would pray and not give up. There might be underlying revelations in this passage that we can get from, but the primary message, the primary truth in this passage is so that we would not give up in prayer. The implication is, is that we can give up. The implication is, is that prayer can be such a thing where we get tired, where we get weary. Maybe we don't see answers to prayer. And, he, and, he's, and he's giving us this parable so that we will stay persistent in prayer. So that we would stay and continue to pray even when we don't feel like it. Even when we don't see the outcome that, that, that we're looking for. Who struggled with prayer? Yeah, it's It's normal. It's normal. And this is why Jesus is telling this. He's, he's, a, he's a good guy. He's helping us here. In verse 2, he said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither, who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. Verse 4, For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or, or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Incredible. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However... When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Here we have this this parable, this picture that Jesus told us. And he said, I'm telling you this parable specifically so that you'll be persistent in prayer. And here we have this picture of this, this widow who's got nothing. And she approaches this judge... And there's no reason for this judge to defend her. There's no reason for this judge to intervene for her. She's presumably got no money. It's not like he's doing charity for people. Because it's clear from the passage that he he doesn't fear man, he doesn't fear God. 
It's not like he wakes up in the middle of the night and thinks, man, the Lord's really impressing me. I should do a, a free service for someone. Here's someone who I can lend my time to and my services. No, he's not like that. He doesn't even care what people think. He doesn't even care the fact that she could go tell her friends, hey, there's this judge over here that I've been, I've been asking to do something for me. He's not interested. This judge is not concerned about this. Here we have up to this point an impossible situation for the widow. There is nothing up to this point that will make the judge defend her, act on her behalf. She has nothing. Except... And it goes on, knocking, pestering, bothering. And it goes on. Imagine that. It just never stops. She's worked out there's only one thing in her favor, and that's he's got a door and she's got a fist. (laughs) And she's worked out, I've got nothing else. I've literally got nothing else. My only way... For him to intervene in my situation is to go there by bothering and just keep knocking on the door. And here we see this picture. And Jesus says, this is, I'm telling you this story so that you don't give up. So that you be persistent in prayer. Let me say one more thing about this passage before we we actually get into it. When I read this passage in the past, it confused me. I want to say this clearly. This is not a lesson from Jesus about what the Father is like in relation to the unjust judge. This parable is not something that Jesus is saying, is saying, hey, look at the unjust judge, this is what the Father's like. We see that clearly in the parable of the lost, um, of the sons, the two, the two sons. What's that one called? Prodigal son. We, we see that perfectly there. That is a parable where, where, where Jesus is descripting and showing us what the father heart of God is like. This parable here is telling us about the persistence in prayer. It's not drawing a distinction between the unjust judge and saying this is what God is like. It's talking just purely about the persistence in prayer. I don't want you to leave today and think, hey, do I really have to like manipulate God? Is he really a God that's not really a father? We just sang about a good, good father, a father that doesn't hear me, he doesn't see me. Is he really a God that we've got to come and he doesn't care about us. He doesn't care what anyone thinks. We've actually got to go through, th- th- jump through hoops and actually find one little thing that annoys him that much that we can annoy God to such an extent that he finally says, all right, Adrian, just to get rid of you, here, have what you want. This is not a description about what the Father is like. And it goes on further and says, how much more Jesus is talking about the unjust judge and he says, how much more will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? So let's understand that. 
as we ever interpret Scripture, as we ever look at Scripture, if we ever take out the fact that He is our Father and we are His kids, we're missing the point. The overall glaring message in this passage is persistence in prayer. And we see here that this woman, she is persistent. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to tell you the approach to take so that you don't lose heart. What that means is that sometimes when we've been doing this for a while, days, weeks, we're praying, we're believing for breakthrough, and it doesn't come. This is when we look at this passage and we say, hey, the answer's coming. We're going to keep knocking. Maybe there's times when everybody else says, hey, are you doing that 21 weird days of prayer and fasting? That's a waste of time. All you're going to do is like get frustrated, waste time and get skinny. Like it's a waste of time. And that's times when in faith you come back and say, no, 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 no. I believe. I believe that I'm going to see breakthrough. Maybe people are saying, hey, it's actually time to stop believing. Maybe people are saying, hey, you've believed that, that's great, but it's actually time to let go. It's time to believe that, that, that maybe that fulfillment of that promise might be for someone else. Maybe it's for another generation. But here we see this woman just stayed there. She kept knocking. Persistence will cost you something. It'll cost you reputation. Believing that very thing that God has put in your heart to such an extent that you'll publicly stand there and be persistent is not something you can always do in private. Maybe you have a word from God that He's going to use you and your family greatly to see Families restored and healed. And right now you're the one with the most dysfunctional family. What do we do? We keep knocking. We stay at that place. And we remind God about his promises and we keep knocking. We keep bringing these things before the Lord. Sometimes because we have a lack of breakthrough, we sort of put it in the, car- the, the, um, the um, category of the sovereignty of God. How many know that God is sovereign? He can do whatever He wants. But sometimes because we don't see breakthrough, we put this on the shelf of the sovereignty of God and we say, well, God's sovereign. And we've all been there. But maybe in this passage, Jesus is saying, no, no, it's not a sovereignty issue, it's a persistence issue. Now, I understand when we start talking about this, especially around healing. We can get into shame, we can get into guilt, we can get into condemnation. And how many know that when we've been believing God for a breakthrough and we don't see it, Either to blame God or blame ourselves is not a good path to take. It doesn't lead anywhere healthy. 
And I also want to say that there's mystery. There's a mystery in following him, especially in the area of healing, that that we don't know fully yet. But there's a few things I do know. And the first one is this, is that he's a good, good father. There's mystery, there's things I don't understand. I read passages like this, I read passages like this in Matthew 7, where it says, ask, seek, knock, and keep on knocking. There's definitely a a challenge or an encouragement by the Lord for persistence in prayer. And oftentimes we don't get the outcome we're looking for, but I know one thing, I know that he's a perfect father and he's a good father. Everything that happens in life has to go through that, that filter. He's a perfect father and he's a good father. He's full of goodness and he's perfect. The other thing I do know is that when we're in desperate times, let's say we're believing for a loved one who's seriously terminally ill, that he's such a perfect father that he will give us grace. I believe that he will give us grace to persist when our body cannot persist. To keep on knocking where we don't have any energy, physically, emotionally, spiritually. He will give us grace. But I also know, and these passages challenges me, because although we come in and rest in peace, there is a persistence. There is a persistence that says that maybe there's things that we haven't seen breakthrough in yet because of the lack of persistence. Anyone here? I don't believe our approach should ever be that we have introspection and we look in ourselves and think these crazy things like, if I would have prayed five more minutes or if I would have fasted one more meal, I don't believe that type of behavior, that type of introspection leads anywhere good. It's unhealthy. But I do believe if we're going through something serious and we're, we're, we're coming before the Lord, our prayer probably has to be a little bit deeper than how we pray for our meal at night. There has to be this, this level of deepness. There has to be this persistent prayer where it's not just so casual as, oh, thank God for the food and, 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 and Lord, we bring before you this. These prayers have to move us to a point where we actually stand in the gap and we actually believe that God is going to move on our behalf. We see here that this woman, she just kept knocking. This persistence just kept knocking, didn't give up. Persistence was the only thing she had. And she got what she needed. She got the breakthrough. Sometimes I feel that my kids have learnt this passage perfectly. 
some, when, I, when I read this uh, a few days ago, I felt that, yeah, maybe that's what the Sunday school have been teaching them every week, just one, one chapter. Because <laughs> I have my kids who have taken this chapter literally. They come to me with their nagging. And they come to me and, I want to watch the iPad, I want to watch the iPad, I want to watch the iPad. And they think that by their nagging, they're going to wear me down. And they do sometimes. <laughs> I think when they're old enough to read, they'll read this chapter and say, wow, we really were followers of Jesus. <laughs> but it's that persistence. We can't deny that throughout the scripture, there is persistence in prayer. We, we, we can't deny it. As much as there's mystery, as much as we understand the sovereignty of God, we can't deny that there's something about us partnering with heaven to see breakthrough come about. In Matthew chapter 7, there's a similar thought here where Jesus talks about ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking and the door will be opened. It's a similar thought about persistence in prayer. It's a similar thought about knocking, about continuing to knock and continuing to ask. But it's fascinating because in Matthew chapter 6, he says, don't use vain repetitions because your father knows what you have need of. In other words, one chapter before, he says, don't keep praying for the same thing over and over again because your father knows what you have need of. And then the next chapter, he says, ask and keep on knocking, similar to Luke 18. So what's the difference? I think one of the differences here is that in, in Matthew chapter 6, where he says, don't use vain repetitions, don't keep asking the same thing, it says, because your father knows what you have need of. In other words, the basic human needs. I don't believe... Let me say it this way. There's basic human needs that I believe that we are to ask the Lord for, to pray for, food. But I don't believe for us to turn around every five minutes and ask a perfect father for food, a need, is acknowledging him as my father. Does that make sense? I'll try and say it in another way. I think for me to constantly be nagging God for something that a father would give me as in my personal need is not treating him, is not trusting him as a perfect father. For a lot of us, we've probably lived in a place where we've never actually had physical need. Um, a few years ago when we were living in America, by the end of our stay there, we actually got down to literally no money. And it was probably the first time I can remember where there was nothing in the bank account. And we were so blessed by people that were giving to us. A lot of people are here that did that. But literally, the money was going down. And I remember one day, we had a knock on the door, someone who was from the church there. And they said, we've just been praying and God has told us to come and buy your groceries every week until you leave. And this was like, oh, this is amazing. And so every week... We went to the supermarket, filled up the trolley, walked through the checkout, and this person would come and swipe their card. Was it about a month or two? Until we left. And this was, this was incredible. 
But I believe here in, in, in Matthew chapter 6, he's talking about vain repetition, clothing, food, the, these human needs. We're not to ask and ask and ask and ask because that's insulting him as our perfect father. But what I believe Luke 18 and Matthew chapter 7 are talking about, this persistence in prayer, is about the God-ordained dreams that he's put in your heart. Is about the promises over your life, over our church. Is about these, these prophetic words that have not been fulfilled. I'll give you an example. There's a small group of people, actually it's, it's a larger group of people now, that actually believe that Hope Point is not here by accident. We believe that although the church was birthed like 40 years ago, we believe that our best days are ahead of us. There's a group of people that believe that, that, that what the Lord is about to do is so significant that it's actually going to have measurable effects in our community. This is incredible. We believe that everything the Lord has set up here with the properties, with, with, the, with, with, the, with the rich heritage, with the foundations, with, I'm talking about people, foundations, is not here by accident, but he's actually purposely put it here so that he can build something significant that would have more than effect in just in here, but actually affect our community. We believe that we actually are set up for transformation of culture. And a dream, a prophetic word, this, 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 this word from God means that that can sit there. How many know it takes no persistence, no faith to just think, oh, well, we'll just dribble along here for another 10 years? Zero. But what it is, is we take that before the Lord and we keep on knocking. We keep on knocking. We declare what he said over our lives as individuals and corporately. We keep on knocking and we remind God. We keep on knocking and we say, hang on, our best days are ahead of us. Those things you promise will be fulfilled. And everything we look through is the filter of what the Lord is going to do. This is what it means to be persistent. This is what it means in, in these dreams, these prophetic words, these things that the Lord has put on your heart. Maybe, he, maybe you're in the workplace and you're like, hey, I know the Lord has me here to change culture. I know the Lord has me in this workplace to see, see this workplace changed. Keep knocking. Keep bringing that before the Lord. Keep, keep praying. Keep, keep interceding before the Lord for those things to come about. Like I said at the beginning, I feel that we're walking into an unknown 2022 in so many levels. It's not reason to shrink back. It's not reason to, to, to get fear. It's actually reason to... I, I feel that those of us who are going to journey the best through this season are going to be ones who have a lifestyle of prayer, who like Jesus modelled, find ourselves away, withdrawn to pray. Find ourselves, even when we're going about daily life, engaging with the Father. 
I encourage you to position yourself. The days that we're living in are not days to be sitting on the fence. The days that we're living in are not days to be sitting back thinking, oh, well, I wonder if this is going to fly. We'll just see. I feel as, as the uncertainty increases that the Lord is going to bring acceleration. Souls, breakthrough, all the things we're believing for. I literally believe the best days are ahead of us. As I just finish up in the last few minutes, as much as we don't understand and as much mystery there is in answers to prayer, we can't deny the fact that the Lord is encouraging us for persistence in prayer. I have a thought that how many that when we view, like, how many know that Jesus was in the garden before he got crucified? And we read the description about the prayer that he had. He was, it was pretty intense. Like, it was so intense. It says that his sweat was like drops of blood. I'm not sure if it physically was. I think it may have been. But it was that intense. That's the intensity that he was in in that moment of prayer to the Father. And sometimes we look at that and think, that is the model of how we are to pray. And I'm like, wow, um, that's pretty intense. Like, if that's the level of intensity I need to connect to the Father, I'm so far away from that. But how many know that when Jesus was away meeting with the Father, when he was just doing life in relationship with the Father, I bet there was a lot of casual discussions. I bet there was a lot of fun. I bet there was a lot of delight. I bet there was a lot of enjoyment. I bet that he came back from those times when he met the Father with more than just, okay, this is what we're going to do. I bet he came back with an overflow of joy, peace. I want to encourage you in your lifestyle of prayer to just involve the Lord in your everyday lives. I love what Gwen shared a few weeks ago when she was preaching. She said, and and I may misquote you here, Gwen, but I think you said that when you walk past your art room or when you're in your art room, you sense the delight of God upon you. That was so profound. Because what it means is we don't have to wait to get into a church. We don't have to wait to get into the place where we have our personal devotions, although that's awesome. But we can actually be delighting in the Lord in this place of of prayer while we're doing something we love. I encourage you to just involve Him in everything. Oftentimes when I pull up to the traffic lights, I'll see someone crossing the street and I'll be like, hey, they got the same shoes as Adrian. And then it's like, hang on, why don't I pray for Adrian? Or I see someone, it's like, hey, that person, the way they said that reminded me of Carol. Well, let's not just leave those thoughts. Let's actually pray for those people. You see, he so wants to be involved in every part of our life. Or what about when you have a dream about someone? Do we just get up and go, that was weird? Like, or do we go, hang on. Man, it might have been the pizza, but Hayden was in my dream. So let's just spend a few moments and let's just pray for him. Whatever he's going through right now, 
or our community or our workplace. Any of these things that trigger us to think about these things, let's involve the Lord in them so we're not just just waiting until these intentional times of prayer. I encourage you to go to something you love. I love to get out outdoors. I love to walk out in the bush. I love to go to the beach, that type of thing. I encourage you to go out and to spend time with God. I've worked out that I can go fishing and not catch any fish and still have a good time with the Lord. Some people don't agree with me, but... It is possible just to enjoy Him so much that, 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 that all of a sudden we, we look back and we think, wow, I just realized that all this history I've been building with God. I encourage you guys with that. I know that you, you guys are such a, a faithful people that love to pray. But as we're coming, as we're in this year, as we're coming into this season, I just encourage you to just go deeper. Be involved in the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Allow that to springboard you into a lifestyle of prayer that's deeper. Just so that we can be like Jesus who modeled perfectly what it was to live in response to the Father. Why don't we just pray for a moment? Thank you, Lord. We just thank you for grace right now. Lord, we just pray for people that Right now, we're in very uncertain circumstances, desperate times, believing for a breakthrough. Lord, we just thank you for grace right now, for persistence in prayer. Lord, we thank you that, that amongst everything that we may or may not understand, Lord, we come back to this one thing that we know for sure, and that's that you're a perfect father and you're always good. And Lord, so we rest in that today. And, and, and Lord, we're, we're encouraged by the fact that we get to partner with heaven, we get to partner with you. And Lord, we just pray for these couple of weeks of prayer and fasting as a church. Lord, we pray that you would unite us together. Lord, that as we come together and pray, there would be such a, a uniting of the Spirit that we would leave stronger, that we would leave full of purpose, full of passion. And we thank you for the persistence in prayer that you've enabled us to walk into. Amen.